0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Of the Gigum Twenty Four Seven Sports Podcast, I am Andrew Hattersley, joined once again by Jeff Tarpley, who uh, does a great job covering the team and uh, from all angles. Put out a, a defensive depth chart early this morning. We're going to be talking a little defense today, um, with the season set to get underway on Saturday. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Hey, man! Great to be here. Um, so we we did a deep dive on the on the offensive side of the ball a couple weeks ago, and um, you know, taking a look at the defensive side of the ball, obviously there's a ton of storylines around this group as well. Um, But I think everybody's kind of intrigued to see what a DJ Durkin led defense looks like this year. What do you think will be some of the biggest differences that um, fans see between DJ Durkin and, and Mike Elko?
0: I think Durkin will try to get more pressure. Uh, he he was more of a pressure guy when he's been at places like Florida and Michigan. Uh, he was definitely more of a pressure guy in the re- when people got in the red zone last year. Uh, in fact, at Ole Miss, his his those defenses I and mean, they had a lot of hybrid type defenders. They didn't have a lot of size and a lot of guys who were, you know. Combo edge guys, backers, combo backers, safeties. You know they had 200 pound guys on the back end of the, de- you know, 200 pound hybrid guys on, on in the middle level of the defense. Uh, 200 pound guys on the back end that could, you know, they move. He moved all those pieces around. He sent pressure from various angles. I, I depending on the offense, I don't know that he's, you know, I think there's times that he's not going to there's not going to be a lot of differences between what he did and what Elko did. Uh, but I do think that he's more likely to sit there, get a guy in what we would call a seven technique or a nine technique, somewhat outside the tackle and, and really turn them loose. And I think that could be a very, you know, I, I think that could be a beneficial difference for this defense, as opposed to what A&M has been doing in past years.
1: And obviously, a uh, and as deep as, as ever in the secondary, but they have to replace some defensive line guys like DeMarvin L and Jaden Peavy and Michael Clemens and, and Tyree Johnson. What do you think are the reasonable expectations for for this defense? You know, I know a lot of people are going to ask, can it be as good as last year? And and that's probably a lot to ask. What do you think are the reasonable expectations for this defense?
0: I, I still think this defense ought to be a uh, a, a top 10 t- type unit nationally Uh, they've got a ton of talent Uh, you know when I was going through and doing the depth chart uh, somebody said well maybe you'll start this guy over this guy or or this guy over over somebody else and my response was availability over ability because everybody on this roster has ability Uh, you may have guys that are younger that type of thing but if you miss time in fall camp, uh, they, they like the guys that were able to get out on the field every day and prove their worth. And I think this defense that we're, that we're going to see is a defense where if you are out there every day, that's a big, big deal, this coaching staff. However, they're still going to rotate people in. They've got a lot of people on the twos, even going into the threes that you're going to see on – you're going to see them on Saturday versus Sam Houston, but you're also going to see them as time goes on uh, uh, during the rest of the season, uh, even despite their youth, because they're going to have specific packages for some of these guys. Uh, You're going to see people like uh, Eni White in there. On uh, in passing situations, is what maybe looks like a third backer and a three man front, but he they're going to sit probably set him out wide. And uh, because he's a very aggressive guy, he's athletic, uh, and, and setting him out wide is good, you know, it's going to be that much more beneficial as opposed to having him more head up on the tackle. So you're going to see a lot of different guys, though, the depth chart. This is a week, this is a week, this is a week zero depth chart for a week one game. And you're going to see what you see this week. You're going to see turnover the rest of the year because they've just got so many players that they can plug in depending on down in distance.
1: And how much do you have an impact? Do you think, um, you know, obviously they signed a ridiculous defensive line group last year. How much of an impact do you think that's, had on um, pushing some of these veteran guys that now's the time that they need to play because there's some guys behind them that are, that are obviously off. It's off awfully talented that are already pushing for playing time. How much do you have, how much on our deck do you think that had during fall camp? I, I,
0: when you, w- when you spend time in a college program, it just gives you such an advantage yeah. over the newcomers and you can see this in terms of the defensive line. The, the guys that have just been on campus like uh, Isaiah Rakes, uh, McKinley Jackson, uh, those are just very, very – you, know, you know, their third year in the program, they're just very, very physically mature guys. They're yeah. also more emotionally mature. They understand how to go to work every day. They're more technically advanced. Uh, for all the talk about guys like the Walter Nolans and the Shamar Stewarts of the world, that's just a huge advantage relative to those guys. And the thing is, too, it's not just the experience. All of these guys, you know, all of these experienced guys, people keep forgetting for all the talk about the 2022 recruiting class, and recruited three top ten classes nationally before this. So they just don't have experience there, They've got ability and they've got numbers. So even for those newcomers, they're, they're facing an uphill battle. And some of them, you know, they've gotten injured, they've gotten dinged. And again, availability versus ability. And, you know, maybe they'll start making some waves here uh, as the season goes on, as they get more acclimated to things but you've just got so many you know you 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 basically got at least I don't know six to eight got guy, ex- experienced guys that you can that you can plug in into those uh, into those top two units I mean there's for again for all the talk about the freshmen uh, you got uh, Overton at one end you got Anthony Lucas at the other and and really for right now those are the you know, Eni White, perhaps coming in as as a situational guy, but you know the rest of that the rest of that defensive front is guys who've been around and maybe they hadn't played a lot of football, but they have a lot of advantages when it comes to those younger guys.
1: No doubt, and well, you know you and I talked about this earlier in fall camp when um, you were doing some notes, and uh, you mentioned just. That the byproduct of recruiting all those top 10 classes in a row is starting to have an effect when you look at, like, the depth and the secondary. You know, obviously injuries, you, you, you never want to see them, but do you think this team's better equipped right now to handle those sorts of injuries and uh, if they were to happen once the season starts?
0: Oh, without question. This is a group that there's – They've just got so many people now that they can plug in that are just very, very uh, athletic and experienced. I mean, you look at the cornerback situation. It, they've got four guys with with starting experience at the SEC level and, and you know, multiple games, and, and they're proven. Uh, you know, everybody forgot about a guy like Brian George who missed you – know, started at the end of 2020 for an injured Miles Jones started for a few games in 2021 till he went off the, sh- on the shelf. Everybody just kind of forgot about him, but you know, he's, re- he's, phys- he's physical and he, and he's been available and he kind of plays this position like a smaller player. He's got pretty good hips for a big guy, you know, a re- relatively tall guy playing corner. So, you know, any of those four guys can start for A uh, I, I think really probably the plan was to start Miles Jones and Tyree Chappelle. but you know those two guys have missed some time during the fall. And well, if if you miss time and you got somebody behind you that's got starting experience, you know Jalen Jones he missed time in spring, but he's been there all fall camp, and and George has been there all fall camp. He also uh, missed time. Uh, You know, last year, so availability versus ability. And all those guys have ability, but who's available? Well, you know, so far, you know, fall camp, it's been Brian George and Jalen Jones. And so it's going to be hard to keep those guys, you know, guys like that out of the starting lineup. And, again, somebody goes off the field now, the guys they're bringing off the bench, they're either – somebody brought this up on the boards – Hey, I, who's three stars in the, uh, you know, there's not very many three stars in the two deep. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not, you know, maybe there's some, you know, maybe you've got some young guys in the two deep, but those guys are four and five star guys. So, but just an example of corner. I mean, there's any one of those four guys, uh, any two of those four guys, you can pick any two of them uh, can start for this team. And they can start for a lot of teams in the SEC. And it's just kind of silly that uh, somebody like a Miles Jones goes out during open practice and Brian George comes off the bench. There's no drop-off whatsoever. And that's just the way it is right now for a Just a it's very crazy. deep – yeah, just a deep, ex, you know, a deep experienced team. Now, they may be more experienced at some positions than others, but still, you, you, you're going to you, – even if you just want to rotate people in, um, and and maybe not go with a true, you know, everybody's got got a by, guy behind him. For example, if you rotate in, let's say three people for for two spots, you're you're still that that third guy coming off the bench is just not going to be much of a drop off at all, if at all.
1: Done, you still got guys like Denver Harris and Smoke Bowie and Marquis Killer Brew, waiting in the wings as well. So it's not it's it's certainly not slowing down anytime soon with some of the depth guys that are coming in behind. That's for that's for sure. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about a couple other guys that are expected to contribute heavily on on the defensive side of the ball this year. And the baseball season is in full swing, which
0: means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the Giggum 24-7 Sports Podcast. Tarp, you mentioned earlier um, Fidel Diggs as a guy that, that's obviously been in the program for, for a couple of years, speaking of that that defensive line we were talking about. Um, what do you think is, has allowed him to make the big jump and obviously one of those guys that's been on campus for a couple of years now?
0: He's bigger. He's, he's listed 260 pounds. He's got the length. He was an athletic guy who played tight end in high school he's going to be able to come off the ball, get his get his hands into you, get that extension with those long arms. And not only that, he he's a much bigger guy in the upper body, so when he gets those those hands into you and he gets that extension going, he's really going to be able to leverage people when he comes off of the end, not just in terms of being a pass rusher, being able to, you know, dip or bend and or get those hands up and and push uh, push a blocker back, but also in terms of just being able to keep people from getting into his body, holding his ground at the point of attack. So he's a guy who, again, you you, you don't have to play him as a 220, 230, 240-pound freshman. You play him as a guy who's 260 pounds, who's a lot stronger, who's a lot more developed, and as a result, even though we hadn't had a lot of snaps, you can, you can put him out there and you can see the benefits that he's going to provide you via the experience and the time that he's had in the weight room. Uh, you know, so he, he is expected to have a very, very good year. And, and again, going back to this, there's guys behind him that are going to be able to push him and so it's like Jimbo Fisher says when you've got even when you got guys like Diggs who are starters when you've got guys behind them that are quality players the starters have to continue to get better every day they have to continue to be able to get on the field and show what they can do because if they can't somebody else is going to take advantage of their absence
1: but, uh, and another guy that's obviously expected to contribute a ton this year and, and came coming off a really special year was Antonio Johnson. And, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement about what, what he's going to be able to do this year. What do you feel like is kind of the next step for him coming off the year that he put together last year?
0: It, it, he's a guy who it'll be interesting to see how the NFL views him because everybody kind of starts a nickel now. Uh, they, you know, and the nickel really in the NFL is probably different than it is in college. It's probably more of a coverage spot where as in college, it might be more of a high hybrid safety, uh, linebacker type of guy. Johnson is more of that hybrid safety backer kind of guy. Um, Can he play? You know, from the NFL standpoint, you know they're probably going to look at him and go, "Hey, look, can he? You know, can he? Can he be a deep, deeper defender? Because uh, he—he's when he played safety, like high school as a freshman at A and M, he showed off a lot of range, a lot of closing speed, a lot of hitting ability, but he's just so useful from the standpoint that he's got length he's got good enough hips and feet there he can stay in it. he can outsize most slots and yet stay with them and so he's still going to be a guy that you know when you most teams when they offenses when they want to move the chains they want to go to the slot and they want to sit there and you know get the slot to go down run, you know, on third and seven, run that seven, a seven to 10 yard route, turn around the balls there. Johnson makes that very, very problematic because you're not going to be able to shake him easily. You if you shake him some, he's got the length and the closing speed to be able to recover and, and either knock away the ball or you're going to have a tough time getting in your route against him. And even if you catch the ball, you, you're, you're going down at the, when you catch it, So on a third and seven, you might catch it five yards from the line of scrimmage. It's now it's fourth and two. If you're at your own twenty-five yard line, well, you're punting the football. So all by himself, he's probably worth at least a couple of third down conversions. You know, for A and M that you get. The offense off the field and you you get your defense off the field and then the other team's punting the football I mean he may be worth a couple of those all by himself given his abilities I don't know how much better he can play because literally if you you know I I just don't know how much better you can grade him out I think the interesting thing's going to be is that you know can you know at least from the NFL standpoint can he prove that he can be a deep safety, but I don't think a and is going to use him in that role this year uh, simply because he's so good at the nickel and because they've got other people who can, who have, who can be very, very good at that deeper safety role. I just think he's going to continue to do what he does for A&M uh, and, you know, you can blitz him more. Well, maybe, you know, you know, Jordan Gilbert's a, you know, a, A and M's upgraded in terms of its coverage with Jordan Gilbert playing free, and maybe they can rotate him in more, and 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 perhaps send Johnson off the edge a little bit more as a blitzer, and maybe he might be more effective there. But overall, I don't know how much you know how he's probably not going to play much better. You're just going to want him to continue to do the same things that he did last year.
1: Don, you mentioned that Colorado game specifically and just the amount of plays he was able to make, especially to keep to keep AM in that game while they waited for things to get going offensively. You to your point, probably, you know, had three or four stops by himself in that game to to get AM off the field. You mentioned Jordan Gilbert as well. Um that's one of the few new faces in the in the secondary that fans might not know a lot about. What what should fans expect to see from him and, and what does he kind of bring to this defense?
0: He's an athletic guy who has the – we talk about hips and feet. He's he's the type of guy that when a receiver is going to run at him deep, he is going to be able to turn and run with them or turn and when he's in close proximity to them and either deter the ball going their direction or, or make a play on it he's going to offer a and more flexibility on the back end of the defense uh, with regard to the coverage and specifically more man coverage type situations. Uh, you know, he's, and he's being pushed by Jacoby Matthews, the freshman, who's had a good camp. Uh, Matthews has great range, and he really comes downhill. Gilbert, though, also has great range in- and. <laughs> and can come downhill. Okay. So, Gilbert, again, when you get a better athlete in the back end of that defense, you're going to have more flexibility with that guy to be able to do some different things. And if you want to be able to – you you, know, you can lock up Gilbert probably a little bit more man coverage situations and maybe have Johnson or Damani Richardson – either come down, you know, come down more so in the box and and maybe come off the edge a little bit more and come from an unexpected angle. So he just gives DJ Durkin the ability to do more things than what AM's had in the past uh, because they've just simply upgraded the athleticism available to them.
1: No doubt this is certainly going to be a fun defense to watch and see how they how they kind of develop over the course of the year, especially with some of those those young guys coming along and, and, and some of those guys along the defensive line Tart, Thanks again for, for joining us on, on this edition of the the 24 seven sports podcast.
0: Thanks. Really appreciate the opportunity.